Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that this message you hear today will encourage you and inspire you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, you can check out our website at cvcmadera.com. And there you'll find our Instagram and Facebook links, as well as our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church Madera. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Um, a quick note, I don't know if you've seen the, they have a flyer out for the men's conference that I'll be uh, one of the speakers at. And uh, when people make requests of you, it's important that you respond as quickly as you can, because they asked me to send uh, a headshot. And uh, I don't really have many of those. Um, So they went on my Facebook and found a picture that my son, Corbin, took at four years old at Easter. And I'm like leaning sideways, and that's the one they have on there. So word to the wise, when someone asks for a photo, send it, because you don't know what they're going to put on there. So um, just a a heads up, Corbin was the photographer for that one. Um, I wanted to also kind of reiterate what God was doing in our time of worship. Everything that we do is worship, but during our song and singing to the Lord, and uh, many people were kind of receiving the similar word that God is saying, I'm here for you. I'm here because I want you to know me, and I want you to know the love I have for you. An individual came up and wrote this almost word for word what was uh, given in tongues and interpretation before that happened, saying, I'm here with you. I'm here for you. I'm your Lord and Savior. I'm the one you are seeking. I'm your biggest advocate. I'm your friend. I'm longing for you and desiring to bless you. I'm your healer. I'm your salvation. Come to me. Come to me. I'm the one that you're seeking. and I love you beyond all measure. So we're just being sensitive to the Lord. And uh, another individual said that they felt like when that was happening, someone in the room was saying, that's not for me. God's not talking about me. He's not seeking after me. He can't love me. And uh, just a word to you that, yes, God does see you. God does love you. God does have something for you. He does have the best for you. And does, despite what you've walked through in your life or what decisions you've made or not made, or even your unbelief or skepticism, God can still pierce through that if you would come and just say, okay, Jesus, I want to know this love you're talking about. He is a faithful God. He is, a, he is loving and true. And he comes when we invite him to come. And so if you're here this morning, and that's, that's you, you're saying, man, I don't, I don't know about all this. This is kind of whatever. I would just encourage you to say, Jesus, if, that's really, if you're really speaking to me, God, I want to open my heart to receive what you have. I want to know your love. I am seeking the truth, but God, if you're the truth I'm seeking, would you show yourself to me? I believe God's going to confirm that for you today. Amen? Yes. Amen. Are you ready for the word of God as we jump into scripture today? Yes. All right. How many of you love the word? Amen. You know, Jack, you talked about the Bible recap, and uh, I love that. We're doing that together, and more and more people are engaged in it. That's phenomenal. I would encourage you to read the Bible because it's good for you, but also because of Jackie's comments. Uh, when she's writing them on there, she's got the best comments. Sometimes I'm like, I'm here for the comments um, because she's got some good stuff. She's calling the devil the punk, the liar, and like all this. Like, it's good, man. It's good stuff, Jackie. Keep going. I love that. Many of you are writing great comments and being able to respond to each other. It's a beautiful online community within our own community, and so I encourage you to be a part of that. Um, how many of you had made resolutions for this year? Wow. Okay, we need to talk about vision and goals. Um, <laughs> like three people are like, yeah. 
because my next question was, how many of you already broke those resolutions? But many of you are like, I didn't have any to break, so no one feels bad. Okay. Because we're, we're within the first week of the year, one week already down in the new year, 51 to go. And uh, we're doing great. And I believe really God's doing phenomenal things. Um, and uh, as we push into this new year, I believe one of the resolutions I don't want to let go of is becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And I hope that's a resolution that you have as well, that you want to be a follower of Jesus who looks like Jesus. Amen? So if you don't have a resolution, there you go. I just gave you one. Be more like Jesus in 2024, all right? More like him in 24. One thing that Faith and I implemented in our home, uh, if you don't know who Faith is, she's my wife. She's right there. Um, we implemented our home list last year, uh, trying to honor the Lord with how we practice our lives and what we do throughout the week. And we implemented uh, a day of rest, what the Bible calls a day of Sabbath unto the Lord, where we, yeah, there we go. All right. Oh, where we, we, we are learning to stop and rest and delight and worship Him. And so that's something that we did. And then as a church community, we went through it together. And uh, I'm hoping that as you are here, if you walk through that series with us, that's something that you put into practice in your life. And God is growing that uh, in greater measure because you're looking more and more like Jesus. You're making time for God to speak to you, to draw you in, to stop and and, and believe that God is, is developing. It's, the Sabbath is called an ancient practice of the church, and uh, I think it's healthy for us to do that. We need to do that. But one thing that we're going to talk right now and for the next four weeks is another ancient practice that uh, for one reason or another has kind of slipped out of the Western church world, and it's the practice of fasting. How many of you are excited to learn about fasting this morning? All right. I don't know if those are the people who have practiced fasting before or not. I don't know. Some of you who have done fasting, you're like, oh, eh. no, maybe not. We're going to jump into fasting um, because I believe the, one of the best ways to cultivate a lifestyle that looks like Jesus is to practice what he did. And Jesus fasted. And so we're going to talk about that uh, even more. And we're going to talk about what fasting is, what it's not, how we can do it. And I'm not going to just throw a thing out like, hey, everybody, we're fasting, and then not tell you how to do it. We're going to go through this uh, week by week and kind of jump into it, uh, believing that God is going to grow us in greater measure. And maybe if you've, if you've been in the church at all, maybe you have fasted before, maybe you've heard about people fasting, maybe you've known people who are like, hey, I need, I need an answer for this situation in my life, so I'm not going to eat today, or I'm going to fast for a few days because I need to hear from God. Maybe you're familiar with that. Or maybe you were in a church where they were practicing the Daniel fast. They did 21 days eating a vegan diet, um, which I'll talk about a little later on, but that's not really a fast. That's more abstaining from foods rather than a total uh, fast to the Lord. But if you're not familiar with it, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, how, how do we begin to develop a lifestyle of fasting? So it's not something we're just going to front load at the beginning of the year and say, okay, we fasted now. We're never going to think about that ever again for the rest of the year. It was something we did at the beginning, but not at the end. I want us to develop a pattern or a lifestyle, a rhythm of fasting in our lives, because I believe that it's crucial as followers of Jesus to do what he did. And he, he developed a pattern. He had a pattern of fasting. And so as a follower of Jesus, we want to do what he did. In fact, uh, we're going through a series on Wednesday nights that are going together with what we're doing here on Sunday mornings on fasting. And the individual pastor and his team to put this together, John Mark Comer, he says this, and he uses the language of apprenticeship when it comes to following Jesus. 
And it says an apprentice of Jesus will spend their entire lives organized around three basic goals. So if you're a follower of Jesus, these are your three basic goals for this new year. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to live as Jesus lived. So to follow Jesus is to adopt his overall lifestyle, to arrange our lives around his practices, the way that he lived his life, in order to open our whole lives to God, to be transformed by God. I don't want to be someone who compartmentalizes my life and says, okay, this part, this portion of my life can belong to Jesus, but this portion I'm going to keep to myself. I'm going to have certain parts of my life, different categories of my life that I can do different things in different categories, but not everything belongs to Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus that he has all of me. Amen? And he wants, I want him to have all of myself. And so that's what we're going to be looking at as we look at fasting. Now, the reality is we know that Jesus fasted because he started his ministry in 40 days of fasting. But what we typically like to lean into is Jesus's nature of feasting. How many of you know Jesus feasted? Right? In Matthew chapter 11, when they're accusing, they don't like John the Baptist, they're saying, He's, he doesn't come eating or drinking. He's got a demon. When the son, of, the son of Man shows up, he comes eating and drinking. They're like, he's a glutton, right? Because there's always issues with people. So we like to lean into the feasting part. In fact, Jesus, we just received communion today. Jesus, the way he said, I want you to remember me and what I did for you is I want you to sit down at a table and eat. That's a, we serve a good God, amen? Yeah. He gave us bread. The world says bread is bad. Jesus says bread is good. Amen. He's the bread of life. Come on. These carbs are holy. So we know that he feasted, but we also know Jesus fasted. We know that he launched his ministry with 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. When the devil tempted him in the wilderness, Jesus said these words, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Many of us as followers of Jesus were trying to live on bread alone, but we need to learn how to hear the word of God. And fasting helps us be attentive to God. In fact, throughout the entire Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read this story of Jesus fasting. But today, most Christians, we feast, but we don't fast. Just a quick survey for those of us who are in the room and those who are online, you can make a comment as well. How many of you have ever fasted a day in your life for a spiritual reason by show of hands? A few of you. I had to say a spiritual reason because sometimes we fasted for a medical reason or the doctor says we got to fast a certain period of time for blood tests or whatever else. But for a spiritual reason, there was a good handful of you that have done it in the past. But how many of you, uh, how many of you have fasted on a weekly basis as a spiritual practice of your life? Anybody? A few more. Man, you guys are crushing it. Phenomenal. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're not alone, no. So this is not a hierarchy of like, they're better than me in following Jesus. No, the reality is because of our culture and what our, our, the culture within our church, the Western American church, has, has kind of de-emphasized fasting uh, within our own framework. But around the world, and especially in Eastern Asia and in, uh, in Africa, fasting is still a big deal as they follow Jesus. But for many of us, we've kind of pulled away from that. In fact, fasting has basically dis- disappeared from most of modern Christian spirituality in the West. So you're more likely to hear about fasting from a, a life coach or a trainer on TikTok or a Muslim that you're friends with than a Christian follower, than a follower of Jesus. 
Not only that, but many Christians and many American Christians have an unhealthy relationship with food. And so anytime they begin to talk about uh, food or fasting or relationships with their own body, there can be triggers of uh, body shame or struggles with eating disorders. And so sometimes we can come at this like, I don't know, we come at it sideways and I'd rather not talk about it because there's some issues there, some unhealthy things going on there. And most people don't really want to talk about fasting. And yet, I think that we're missing out on one of the most important of all the practices of Jesus when we we neglect the practice of fasting in our lives. Can I say that again? I think that we are missing out on one of the most important aspects of the practice of Jesus' life when we don't know how to fast. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read together. It's a portion out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous sermons that he preached. Gave so much wisdom and so much life in that. It's a collection of the most important teachings of Jesus found, Sermon on the Mount. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 16. As you're turning there, let me pray as we continue in the message. Lord, I pray you open our ears to hear you. Help us to be sensitive to you, Lord, that this would be a word not of condemnation, but God, a word that draws us into greater intimacy with you. I pray, Lord, that this would be received by hearts that are saying, I want to look like Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. I want to do what Jesus did. We love you, Lord. We honor you and your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Jesus' word speaking. He says, verse 16, and when you fast, notice that he didn't say if. When you fast, do not look gloomy, Like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they receive their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Two things I want you to pull out. The first one I already mentioned, that Jesus assumed that his disciples, his followers, would fast. He says, when you do it, not if you do it, but when you do it, this is how I want you to do it. The second thing is, I want you to take note of in this passage of Scripture, is this, that when you fast, the Father will reward you. There is a reward on the other side of fasting. Many of us who have not received that reward because we've never fasted. And as followers of Jesus, I want to take part in all that the Father has for me. Amen? Amen. Like I said earlier, most followers of Jesus in the West primarily don't fast. But we used to. We used to. I'm going to give you a brief history of fasting. And those of you who are here with us on Wednesday night, it's going to be a repeat of it because we've talked about it in our classes, in the men's and women's classes. But I want to give you a brief history of fasting. Do you know that fasting is a part of every major religion in the world? Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. In many indigenous spiritual practices, fasting has been a practice for quite some time. But the first mention of, in all of human history of fasting as a spiritual discipline is in the book of Exodus when Moses is 40 days fasting on the Mount, on Mount Sinai as he's receiving the Ten Commandments from God. And then he comes down and it's followed by a command for all the nation of Israel to fast on the Day of, day of Atonement or called Yom Kippur. Throughout the Old Testament, there are stories of fasting from every major character in the Old Testament. 
from Moses to David to Daniel, Samuel, all the prophets, Esther, all of them fasted. And we believe and we know that by the time of Jesus, it was common for the Jewish people to fast twice a week from sunrise to sundown. And early Christians conditioned themselves to do that, and they continued that practice of fasting. In fact, in uh, one of the oldest writings that we have in Christian tradition outside of the New Testament is the Didache. And the Didache uh, says that fasting was commanded on Wednesdays and on Fridays and for two days before baptism. Almost all the early church fathers taught on fasting. And the first Christians took it seriously. They took it so seriously, in fact, in one of the writings in, in, out of uh, 380 AD, it's called the Constitutions of the Holy Apostles, it said this, If any one of the clergy be found to fast on the Lord's Day on Sunday, or on the Sabbath day Saturday, excepting one Saturday of the year, let him be deprived, and if, if he be one of the laity, one of the volunteers in the church, let him be suspended. Meaning this, that fasting was so widespread in the church, they had to regulate it. They say, you can't fast all the time. That's crazy. People were so passionate about the Lord and they understood the benefit of fasting that they're like, I'm going to fast always. And they're like, you can't do that. Please don't do that. In fact, when the only Saturday it says uh, that, is a, that was allowed to fast, the only one that said the Constitution said you could was the one referring to the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter, where the whole church for a millennia and a half fasted for 40 hours when Jesus was crucified until he rose again. The whole church did that. And in fact, many of you are familiar with Lent because we're in Madeira and we have a lot of Catholics in Madeira. Lent was initially a fast. Lent has now become a, a portion of abstaining from things. So you'll have people say, well, I'm, I'm fasting, I'm giving up TV for Lent or chocolate or whatever. But initially, the early church, Lent was 46 days of fasting, where they fasted from sunrise to sunset every day until Easter. In fact, that's where Muslims get Ramadan from. They, they copied it from Christianity, and they took it for their own religion. Most church traditions today have changed Lent into a practice of abstinence, but really it was about fasting from food. See, my point is, early in the history of the church, there were both regular one-day fasts uh, every Wednesday and Friday, and there were periodic longer fasts like Lent that lasted well into the 1600s in the body of Christ. And then it began to die out as the Renaissance happened and the Age of Enlightenment happened, where we became more focused on our mind and logic than our own bodies. But it was still around, even in the 18th century, with John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, where you would get the Methodist church. He, he wrote this in a lament. He said, I fear that there are now thousands of Methodists, so-called, he's kind of harsh on, on his own people, but so-called, both in England and Ireland, who following the same bad example have entirely left off fasting, who are so far from fasting twice a week, they don't even fast twice a month as a lament in the 1800s. Wesley fasted every Wednesday and every Friday like the early church, uh, or the early Christians. And he even refused to ordain a pastor who didn't fast regularly in the same way. 
I think that's pretty hardcore, and I'm not saying that we should do that. I don't, I'm not saying that's a good idea. It's just something that he did because fasting was such an important practice in the life of believers. It was so essential. It was central to the way of following Jesus, just like reading your Bible and attending church. Fasting was a part of the practice of being a follower of Jesus. And it still is outside the West. It's still, like I said earlier, in the Eastern Orthodox branches of the church, in the Indian churches, in the African churches, you still see that idea of fasting. So the idea here is fasting is one of the most essential. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's the most essential and most powerful of all the practices of Jesus. Arguably, it's the single most neglected in the modern Western church. But I believe it's the most, one of the most essential and powerful of what Jesus did in his life. And there are so many early church fathers that talk about the power of fasting. One of them, St. Basil of uh, the Great, he lived from 330 to 379. He said this, I love this quote. He says, fasting gives birth to prophets. She strengthens the powerful. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. She's a safeguard for your soul, a steadfast companion for the body, a weapon for the brave, and a discipline for champions. Fasting repels temptations, anoints for godliness. She is a companion for sobriety, the crafter of a sound mind. In wars, she fights bravely. In peace, she, she teaches tranquility. Fasting gives birth to prophets. Fasting is a safeguard for your soul. So many wonderful things. Fasting repels temptation. Because if you can say no to food, you can say no to other things. The life of Jesus, the writing of Scripture, the voice of the global church, the teaching of the early church fathers, all say the same thing. Fasting is essential and powerful for the life of a believer. So this morning, as we jump into the next three weeks after today, of what it looks like to fast. I want to give you the basics of fasting. This is something we looked at on Wednesday night, and if you weren't with us on Wednesday, I encourage you to come and be a part of what we're doing on Wednesday, especially if you want to take seriously how to fast, because we're going to help each other, and we're going to walk with it together in community, and then we'll celebrate together. So here are the basics. I think we have notes in the YouVersion Bible app on these as well. Thank you. The first one is... What is fasting exactly? What is fasting? Well, we'll learn what fasting is by first kind of clearing out what it's not. It's not abstinence from certain things. Sometimes we hear people say, I'm fasting from shopping, or I'm fasting social media. All of those are good things. Abstaining from stuff has been in the history of the church for quite some time, so I'm not bashing abstaining from things. We should abstain for, from things, but that's not fasting. Fasting, primarily, at the most basic root is not eating food. That's what fasting is. A normal fast, you can continue to drink water, but we even see in Scripture some periods of time where they abstain from food and water as well. Fasting is not a restricted diet. It's not uh, like the Daniel fast, which is an abstaining from meat and certain foods or sweets. Uh, it's, it's saying no to food entirely. So if that's what fasting is, not eating then the next question we have to answer is, how long? How long do I not eat? And the reality is there is no set time. The most common fast 
was from waking up until sundown. That was the most common fast in the church world for a millennia and a half, for 1,600 years. When they woke up, they didn't eat until the sun was down. In fact, they used to say, until you, first, you see the first three stars in the sky. When you first see the first three stars, all right, let, let's eat together. It's, great. it's good for us now that it's winter. Those stars come quick. Hallelujah. <laughs> in the summer, we're like, Lord! Looking for your star. But that's the most common practice from when you wake up until, you, until the sun goes down, you're fasting. There are examples in Scripture where we see more than that. We see two-day fasts. We see three-day fasts. We see seven-day fasts. We see 21-day fasts. We even see Jesus 40 days fast. And Moses, 40-day fast, not eating for 40 days. Now, something you don't jump right into, right? If you can't swim, we're not going to throw you in the deep end. Be like, figure it out. We don't want people drowning out there. But we start small. And I'll talk about in, the, in, the, in a minute the challenge I'm going to offer the church as we go into these next few weeks. But that's how long we need to fast. It's kind of up to you. Number three, when do you fast? When do you fast? Again, fasting is it's not a command in Scripture. Jesus never commands it of us. He just anticipates that we will. So since it's not a command, it's up to you. You have freedom in how you're going to do it. Both in Scripture and in early church history, we see two different types of fasting, two different patterns of fasting. One as a rhythm of life, which I'm, I'm kind of leaning us into. Let's create a pattern in our life, a rhythm of doing this on a weekly basis. And then we see those who are in response, which is typically what we are most common with as, as followers of Jesus. Uh, I need to hear from the Lord, or I need this, or I, I want to be sensitive, so I'm going to fast as a response to certain things, or a crisis in the world, and I'm going to fast for these things. But let's talk about rhythm. In the early church, we see this rhythm of twice a week for most of church history. Out of a, an, an example of rhythm in the Old Testament is when Israel was commanded at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. They were all to fast on that day. So we see that typically throughout church history. The one we're more familiar with is response, where most of us have this example of fasting in Scripture as for a national crisis, or there's an invasion, or there's sin, or there's grief and loss. You're probably familiar with this. In 1 Samuel 31, when King Saul dies, the entire nation of Israel fasts for seven days because of his death. You see in Jonah 3, how many of you know the story of Jonah? He's swallowed by a giant fish. He's spit out to go tell a nation that they're in sin and they're going to be judged. He doesn't want to do it, but he ends up going in there, preaches the shortest message uh, in, in human history, and the whole city gets saved. Not even a good message. He just says, 40 days and you're dead. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> they, get, they, they fast and they all, they, even they make their animals fast and they all turn to Jesus as a response to this warning. I wish I could just do that too. Like, hey, you're not living for God. What? No. Uh, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. Lord, let it happen. We see that in, in Jonah. Then in Esther, if you remember with the story of Esther, the Hebrew people were threatened with genocide. They were going to get wiped out, all the Jewish people, and whatever, they, whatever nation or state they were living in at that time, there was a, a mandate, you can kill all the Jews. And she commanded the people as, as queen to fast for three days, and God saved them. So we see that response. We see both in Scripture and in early church history, both a rhythm of fasting and, a, and, and as a response. 
So I want us to develop that in our lives as followers of Jesus. Number four, do we fast in community or alone? That's a good question. Most of the times that I have fasted in the past, it's always been alone, primarily because I misinterpreted Jesus' warning in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, don't let people see your, your fasting so that you get your reward from them. What he's saying is, don't like come out disheveled, walking like, oh. And someone's like, oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, I've been fasting. Just so weak. How long? It's been like seven hours. I just, <laughs> for the Lord, it's for him. Don't, he says, don't do that. That's not, don't try to gain sympathy or gain, oh, oh look, at they're a ho- what a holy person, they're fast. Don't do that. He says, if you do that, and that's the purpose of your fast, you've gained your reward. Congratulations, somebody thinks better of you than you thought they did, but you've got nothing with your father. There is no reward for you at the end of that. So Jesus is not saying, go do it in secret, don't let anybody do it. He says, don't do it with those wrong motives. Don't so that you can be, you can be pomp and, wow, look at how good and how holy I am. He said, no, that's not how you do it. So we can, but you can fast alone and you don't have to tell anybody, that's fine. But you could also fast in community, that's not wrong. That's not against the word of Jesus. He's just saying the motivation for doing it is for, is, is for what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Number five, why do we fast? And there's four reasons we're going to cover. We fast not so that people can think, wow, look how holy they are. Look how good they are. Not so that we can even potentially, we get it twisted in our minds. We think fasting somehow manipulates God to give us what we want. That's not why we fast. The Bible never says, all right, if you fast, then I'll give you whatever you want. That's that's not what happens. The reason why we fast, primarily, number one, is to offer ourselves to Jesus. I'm offering myself to Jesus, all of me, my whole body, everything to the Lord. There's all, all, all sorts of reasons we fast, but primarily there are four reasons, and we're going to group them together for these four weeks Number one, offer ourselves to Jesus. Number two, to grow in holiness. That's where it talks about fasting is your ally against temptation. I want to live more like Jesus. I fast and it helps me say no to things that are opposition to God. Helps me grow in the holiness that he's given me. Number three, it amplifies my prayers. We'll talk more about that in a moment. It amplifies my prayers. It helps me be more sensitive to the spirit, the voice of God. Number four, it helps me stand with the poor. We'll go into that a bit more, too, because there are people who are fasting, but not because they choose to, because they don't have food. It helps us as people to be bodily in connection with those who go without because they just don't have any. So we're going to be looking at those reasons. And over the course of this practice, I want to talk about these four reasons more in depth. But this morning, primarily, it's about how we offer ourselves to Jesus. I said earlier, the the early Christians continued the Jewish practice of fasting twice a week from, sun, from, Sunday, or from wake up to sundown. But what I didn't tell you is they actually changed the days. The, Jew, the early Jewish tradition was Tuesdays and Thursdays, but when the Christians took it on and adapted it, they changed it to Wednesdays and Fridays. They did that because Wednesday was the day that Jesus was betrayed in the garden, and Friday was the day he was crucified. So fasting was a way for early Christians to bodily get in connection with the suffering of Jesus. He was betrayed, he was beaten, and he was crucified. And I want to, the Bible talks about 
partaking in the sufferings of Christ. Now, you probably are not going to go out on the street today and someone's going to beat you for following Jesus. So it's kind of difficult to participate in that suffering. But if you can willingly say, I'm willing to choose to suffer, allow my body to feel a little bit of, a little bit of hunger pain, a little bit of that, so I can be more sensitive to what Jesus went through. That's what the early church began to do on Wednesdays and Fridays. The early Christians were getting in touch at a bodily level with what the New Testament says, participating in the sufferings of Christ. They were intentionally adopting this pattern laid down of Jesus dying and rising from death uh, and creating a death to self followed by life in God. And it wasn't done as a, a way of hating the body. Right? There was an early church teaching called Gnosticism where the body was evil. All matter was evil. Only the spirit was good. And so you could, they would beat themselves or, or cause themselves to bleed as a way of causing themselves to suffer. That's not what we're talking about. That's, in fact, not even scriptural. Your body was given to you as a gift. So you don't go around beating yourselves or causing intentional harm on your own bodies. But fasting is a way that you can feel the hunger pain that helps you be more sensitive to the spirit. And we'll talk more about that as we go further on. Fasting is actually very healthy for you. It's not harmful for your body. It's very healthy. So here's the ultimate reason for fasting. Hungering for Jesus. Hungering to be transformed into his image. We talked about this earlier on. What is hunger? Hunger is the feeling of wanting or needing something that you don't have, something that you need. Why do you get hungry? Because your body needs nourishment. If you don't eat for quite some time, you feel the hunger. You're like, I need to put something in me, right? Fasting is the same way. It's allowing to fill the hunger, but instead of saying, I'm going to fill it with bread or food, I'm going to fill it with Jesus. I'm going to fill it with his presence. I'm going, to, I'm going to pursue him rather than pursue food in this moment. And so when we begin to fast, we begin to practice fasting, it's being intentional and being aware of uh, our Savior and our Lord. Our men's ministry leaders went through fasting a couple of months ago. We went through this teaching and I told them, anytime that we are fasting and you feel hunger, thank God for it. And instead of saying, oh, man, I need a Snickers, <laughs> you say, oh, I need you, Jesus. Oh, I'm hungry for you, Jesus. God, I'm desperate for you. I feel the pain here. I feel hunger, but I'm telling myself, God, I'm hungry for you more than I feel the hunger for food. And the beautiful thing is he comes and he fills you with more of his presence. And maybe you're saying this morning, well, I don't really feel hungry for God. If you're honest, you might, be, you might feel apathetic towards God. Maybe you're feeling like, I, don't, I could go either way, Pastor. All the more reason to fast. Because fasting has the potential to awaken the hunger inside of your soul. If you're saying, I, don't, I, I know what I need to do, but I don't really want to do what I know I need to do. Begin to fast so that that hunger would rise up in you. Say, I, I, I hear people talk about God, and I hear people have an intimacy with Jesus and all of this, and I don't really feel all that. I would encourage you to begin fasting. Begin to put into practice what I'll be teaching over the next several weeks, and I'll see that hunger inside of you awaken. It'll awaken the hunger in your soul for God. Fasting is a practice to offer our whole life to God. That's what Paul says in Romans 12, and I'm getting ready to close here. I thought I was. I've got several pages left. We're going to get close. We're going to get there. <laughs> All right. We'll just get going. You good? You guys okay? 
Okay, I don't care. I'm preaching anyway. We're just going for it. No, I care. Let's look, look, look at Romans chapter 12. I'll go through this quickly. This is Paul, what Paul is saying to the church. He says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true spiritual worship. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God or in view of God's mercy. Paul's saying, offer your bodies. Sometimes in church, in the Western world, all we talk about is giving God our hearts. Ah, I give my heart to Jesus. Well, Paul says, hey, in view of what God has done for us, his mercy towards us, he didn't have to be merciful to us, but he was. In view of that, give everything to God as your acceptable spiritual worship to God. Not just your, bo- not just your heart, give your body. Give everything. Give everything to him. John Mark says in the video, Jesus came in a body, a doctrine we call incarnation, to save our bodies, a doctrine we call resurrection. So that one day in the future, when Jesus returns for his church, what happened to Jesus' body, resurrected from the dead, will happen to the bodies of all of his followers being raised from death to life. And so in the meantime, we offer our bodies to him, and what we do in our body matters. He continues, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse 19, it says, your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. Therefore, honor your God with your bodies. You are not your own. The Holy Spirit lives in you, not just in your heart, in your body. Your body is the temple. It's the the dwelling place for God. So what you do in your body matters. That's why we are wanting to live holy lives, live righteously and not honor God with our, our mouths and show up on Sunday, and then we go live like fools in our bodies Monday through Saturday. No, we offer everything to God, including our body. When you think of discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus, you think of discipline. I don't know anybody who's, who's practiced any type of discipline in their life and left their body out of it. Anybody? I'm going to wake up earlier, but just in my mind. No, no one does that. You're still dreaming. You got to wake. You actually have to get up. That's, you're disciplining your body to get up early. I'm going to eat healthy just with my eyes. doesn't work. It's what put, you put into your body. Right? So what you do with your body matters. It's important that we surrender our whole selves. That's what discipline is. Working out. All of these things. You can't do those things without your body. So to be a disciple of Jesus means we are disciplining ourselves, and we discipline ourselves. One of the greatest ways we, we can do that is through fasting. I suggest that fasting is the, has the, the best possible way, it's the best possible way to discipline yourself, to get the teachings of Jesus down into your body, down into your soul. Looking back at Romans 12, we offer our whole bodies in light of God's mercy meaning we do this for him because of all that he's done for us. We don't do it to get something from him. We do it because we've already received from him. We've received Jesus. So we give up food because he gave up everything. We offer our body in devotion to him because he gave his body for our salvation. We fast for all sorts of reasons, but the primary reason we fast is not to get something from Jesus. It's something that we can give to Jesus. Something that we give to Jesus. Paul calls it our worship. 
our love, our affection, our devotion to God. So Jesus assumed that his disciples would fast. Now I'm closing, I promise you. I'll have the worship team come up. Jesus assumed his disciples would fast, but he never commanded fasting. Neither do any of the apostles in the New Testament, but we know they all fasted. But they never gave us this regimen to follow. They never said, you have to do this thing. So the reality is, you don't have to fast. If you're sitting here and you're like, Pastor, I don't want to do anything you're saying. You don't have to. You don't have to do it. It's not required of you. But here's what I want you to hear. Jesus fasted. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we want to, we want to follow his example. We want to do what he did. Amen? So Jesus fasted, and then he says to you and I, come and follow me. Come and be my apprentice. Let me show you how to do this life right. Let me show you how to live in holiness and righteousness and godliness. Let me show you the way you should go. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he calls us to follow him. He also says, if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross daily and follow after me. What's your cross? Sometimes just be able, being able to say no to something, self-sacrifice. Fasting is a way that we do that, and it helps us follow Jesus. So practices like fasting, like prayer, like Sabbath, is how we follow Jesus. Attending church on Sunday, reading our Bibles, it helps us to follow Jesus so that we surrender our whole person to him, and through his grace we are transformed into his image. And as Jesus said in Matthew 6, through fasting we experience the Father's reward. Do you know what the Father's reward is on the other side of fasting? It's Jesus. Jesus is our reward. He's our greatest prize. And when we say no to the things of this world, especially when we say no to food, we're saying yes to Jesus. We receive him in greater measure, greater intimacy with him, greater uh, hearing his voice comes in with more clarity. He is our reward. So if you want to offer your body and all that you have, and your love to Jesus, practice fasting. As a church, I want to challenge us to begin to fast once a week. So here's my challenge for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, or you're attending this church, you're here right now, here's my challenge. That either from sundown on Tuesday to sundown on Wednesday, or sundown Thursday to sundown on Friday, I want us to fast. And that's a way of saying, God, we want you more than we want food. And maybe you're thinking, I can't do that, then, then start small. Just start from when you wake up in the morning until the sun goes down. Just saying, that wasn't a joke, I was just, you know, that sounds easy. Okay, you're going to do that. From when you wake up to when the sun goes down, fast. Um, or if you can't do that, just do a 12-hour period, or go till noon, or go till 3 p.m. I just want you to begin to step into this in, a, in, in small ways. Right? So I'm not asking you to do three-day total, seven-day, 21-day. I'm not asking you to jump in the deep end. I, I just want you to do a, a small measure. So if you are usually wake up and you have to consume breakfast, don't. And say, Jesus, this time I want to spend for you. I want to fill this hunger for you. And then when lunch comes, you can eat. But if you're able to say, I can go further, I can go a little longer till the next day, till the sun goes down, do that. We're going to do this together. But you've got to start somewhere. And to help you on the journey, we're, doing, we're walking it together, through it together in community on Wednesday nights. So come be a part of that too. 
We'll be fasting on that day, Tuesdays. And if you can't do Tuesday night to, to Wednesday sundown or Thursday night to Friday sundown, choose another day that works for you. Maybe your, your work schedule is a bit more hectic or you work in the evenings or whatever it might be. But I just challenge you, encourage you, let's do this together. Let's begin to get in touch with Jesus at a bodily level that create this deeper hunger in us. And we'll jump into the study more and more. If you're with me, would you say amen to that? Amen. amen. We can do this. We're going to grow this year in creating a pattern of saying yes to Jesus. The way that we're going to do this is by saying no to food on some days. And see what God will do for us and in us and through us. As we become more like Him. Our goal again this year, to spend time with Jesus. To be with Him. To be like Him. And to do what He did. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel where you'll hear past episodes. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate it and share it with friends. It'll help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to cbcmadera.com and click on the giving link. We love you. God bless.